Hello everyone, good morning. It's a little bit weird, right, looking at me on the stage by myself. I usually shadow Pastor Don or Pastor Jessica or Pastor David and help them to translate. And today I'm going solo. So <laughs> I wanted to say thank you to ICC Bali, especially Pastor Don who gave me this opportunity to share a little bit of what God has put into my heart. And I hope what I share today can be a blessing for you too. Now, anybody here love watching movies? Raise your hand. Yes, many people. Marvel fans, yes. DC fans, Whoa, okay. I'm not gonna try to start a fan war here, don't worry. A few years back, there was a movie called Batman versus Superman. Maybe some of you watched that. And the movie was about, you know, Batman having a show, uh, you know, having a fight with Superman. But when you think about it, both of them were superheroes. Why would they fight with each other? Why don't they fight the enemy? And when we are looking at a movie, we are looking from the third person point of view as a viewer. So when we were looking at the things and the scenes that unfolded in the movie, we were like, oh my gosh, Superman, why did you get manipulated so easily? Batman, you should just use more logic. But then, what if we're trying to look at those scenes from a first-person point of view, from Batman's perspective? I think Superman is dangerous, so I gotta fight him to protect humanity. Or from Superman's point of view, I think Batman is dangerous, so I gotta fight him to protect humanity. So both of them, they aim to protect humanity, but they're looking from a different perspective. And that is the basic idea of my sermon today. I entitled it Achievement or Acceptance, but there is a subtitle be below it seeing from different perspective. And our word of God today, coming from the story of the, the parable of the lost son from Luke 15, 11 to 32. For some of you who didn't know about this story or maybe forgot some little details, the brief summary of this parable is, there was a father who had two sons the older son and the younger son. The younger son asked for half of the family wealth, and then he went away and squandered the wealth until he got bankrupt and had nothing. When he was desperate, he went back home, and his father embraced him back to the family. And the older son, who knew that, was so angry with the father because that he made so many mistakes, and you just forgive him that easily? But then the father said, well, son, you are always be with me, so what I have is what you have. But your younger brother was lost, and now he was found, so we should celebrate. So that was the gist of this verse. And from this verse, we can see there are three main characters, the younger son, the father, and also the older son. We usually read Bible from a third-person point of view as a fewer of those sins unfold. So we can comment, oh my gosh, that's so bad, younger son. Father, why, why did you do that? 
But now, today, I would like to invite you to take a look at this story from the first-person point of view from each character's eyes. And I'm going to start with the older son because he got the least spotlight compared to the other two. So I would like to read from Luke 15, 25 to 30. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitute comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Uh, my apology if I got too immersed in this story. I'm trying to stay in the character. So from here, I could felt the anger and the bitterness that the older son had. So he felt so angry at his dad. He was mad at his dad because he felt unfair. Why would you treat me differently? And he also actually got mad at his brother. He probably also was a little bit jealous of him because the younger brother got forgiven very easily. Now, I also felt angry and bitter too. It's not fair. Oftentimes in our life, we said this to ourselves, I did all the work and other people got the praises. I do all I can to protect this relationship, but the other person just walk away. I do all I can to whatever it is, you can continue it yourself. But the main question was, it's not fair. Where's the justice? Maybe some of you felt the same too. So from the older son perspective, he need to work to prove his worth. And oftentimes when growing up, I was also taught like this older son. Maybe some of you experienced that too. We were taught to prove our worth before we were seen worthy. This happens in our family, our workplace, our so like society, or even in our church. And just like the older son, we focus on doing what we can to earn our rights in the family. We associate our worth with our achievement, with people's acknowledgement, or with our relationship with other people. Now, growing up, I was not the most popular girl in the school. I was not the prettiest. Um, I was a nerd, actually. Do you guys know Ugly Betty? That was me in high school. If they made a remake in Asian, with Asian character, I would be there. So I was a total nerd, and I based my self-worth onto my academic accomplishment. So whenever I got like rank one or good grades or graduate on top of my class, I felt like I'm worthy. I felt like people accept me. 
because I finally am something. And this continues until university. I was very fortunate, praise God, to get a scholarship to go to Australia to continue my study. And I studied diligently, got good grades, and it's up to a point where I wanted to apply for an internship with some big companies in Australia. So I submitted my application and I got rejected. Not because of my grades, not because of my English communication skill, but because I was not Australian citizen or PR. I felt so mad. Why would I need to study so hard? My friend who got parties until 5 a.m. and just barely passing the grade, they could get through because they're the citizen of that country. I felt so angry and unfair. And, you know, I think that's what we all have felt at some point in our life. And also, that's how the older son felt. He felt so mad at his father and so jealous when we see other people successful or prospering when they seem to do nothing. So we look at this from the older son perspective, and he thinks that we should achieve something before we got accepted. Now let's switch the perspective into the second character, the father. I would like to read from Luke 15, 20. This, is, this happened when the younger son went back home. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arm around him, and kissed him. There was no, his father said this, or this is what his father said to his younger son in this specific verse, but action speaks louder than word. Through the action of the father, we can we know that the father wants to say, son, I love you. I forgive you. Welcome home. The father's heart was filled with compassion and grace. And that's why the father accepted the younger son. Not because of what he had, because at that time he had nothing. He even ate pig's food. Not because of, of his status, at that time, he didn't have any status. He was even lower than a slave, and not because of his achievement, because he was actually ruining the whole family. But his father accepted the younger son because he loves him and because of his grace, and that's it. Let me ask you a question. Where do you find your worth? Is it in achievement, wealth, or relationship? Or is it in God's grace and acceptance? God accepted us not because of those achievement or wealth or relationship, but because of his grace and his grace alone. So I realized that God worked in a league of his own. And sometimes we felt like we are so smart compared to God, so we complicated simple stuff. And we felt like before I ask God's grace, I should be this, I should achieve this. Don't complicate simple truth. Just ask for God's grace because it's always there 24 seven. 
Don't wait for God to accept you, for you to ask for His grace. Wherever you are in life right now, you can always ask God, God, Father, grant me your grace. I want to come back home. Because God is constant. And His compassion, His love, and His grace are always there. Now, when God called His first disciples, He didn't say, hey, you religious leader, follow me. Or, hey, you mayor of this city, follow me. He actually called ordinary people, sometimes uneducated, from diverse backgrounds like farmers, fishermen, and tax collector, profession that were hated by many at that time. They didn't have any credibility whatsoever to prove their word to God to serve Him. But when they answered His call, God gave them credibility to serve them. God didn't say, my son and daughter, you gotta prove something to me before I accept you. No, but God said, he has, called, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. And that took me back to my first time translating in ICC. I think it was a few years back. I got a call, I think from FICTA. Nat, can you help translating uh, to Bahasa Indonesia? Because at that time, ICC started to do like Bahasa services. So I said, yeah, okay. At the time, I didn't have any credibility as a translator. That was the first time I've ever done it. No technical background whatsoever, no training. They just asked me because I can speak English and Bahasa. So I did the first translation with Pastor Don, and you know, it went amazingly bad. <laughs> Even Pastor Don wanted to give up on me. So you know how bad it was. <laughs> but then the next month, Fikta kept calling me, and the next month, and next month, and five years down the track, I'm still here, <laughs> getting a little bit better. So when I first got that call from Victor, I didn't have the credibility. But as I answered the call, answered God's call, God equipped and empowered me with the skills and with all of the things that I need to serve Him because of His grace, not because of my actual strength or achievement. So no amount of achievement or work that we can do can change the grace of God's acceptance. Now, let's switch perspective to the last character, the younger son. Verse 21, he said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. This is something that I struggled with, you know, feeling guilt-ridden. I felt like, God, I made this mistake so often, like every day. I couldn't really change. Why can't I change, God? I'm, I want to follow you, but I kept falling into the same hole. Maybe some of you felt that too. What is one thing or one sin that you struggled over for a long time? You can just answer it in your mind. It may be anger, hate, 
addiction, or maybe something else. And it led us to think that, God, I have sinned so much, I don't deserve to call you Father. God, I have sinned so much, I can't even go closer to you. Our desperation and guilt made us felt unworthy to return home and call God our Father, just like the younger son. But God made us worthy. In verse 22 to 24, the father said to his servant, quick, bring the best rope and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So if you think about it, we human are a living contradiction. We are worthy in our own eyes or maybe other people's eyes, but God sees us that we are worthy. Now, for every stories or every movies, I was always curious what happens next. This parable stopped at verse 32, and it didn't say anything about what happened with the older son or the younger son after what was written in the Bible. So I'll, I let my imagination run a little bit wild. What if the older son kept angry at his father and kept being jealous of his younger brother? Or would the older son finally understand his father's grace and able to rejoice when his father extend that grace to other people? What happened with the younger son? Remember the father made a part, threw a party for him, right? And we imagine when it's a party, everybody was dancing and happy and eating and singing. But what if the younger son was sit on a corner chair in that party with head bowed down doing nothing because he felt, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve this. I felt so much remorse, I shouldn't enjoy this. Are we gonna keep being ashamed of our past mistakes? And are we gonna stop ourselves to fully reach out and enjoy the grace of God? Last but not least, Lauren, I'm on time, so we're good. Three things that we can learn from each characters uh, of this story, also to wrap this uh, sermon up. First one is, one thing that I learned from the older son is that God's grace is what makes us and our work worth it. So whenever you feel like, oh, I need to do this, I need to achieve this, I need to be something before I can be accepted by God, always remember this, that God's grace is what makes us and our work worth it. In 1 Corinthians 15, 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I work harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. And this was written by Apostle Paul, and he was one of the best Christian leader in his age, you know, um, sorry, on his era, because he started his ministry by persecuting Christians, and then he 
got converted and he really did all he can to spread the gospel. He even paid for his own living by making tents, talking about leading by examples. And Paul, who has worked so hard, can write this verse, and we all can learn from that. By, only by grace that God has accepted us, and that's why we work through his grace for his glory. The second lesson for me is from the younger son's perspective. Acceptance is always there, but we cannot experience it fully unless we are under God's umbrella. Okay, so the father has forgiven the younger son, so should he squander the forgiveness again? Should we took it for granted? So in John 15, five to six, Jesus said, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, and apart from me, you can do nothing. It's similar to what happened in the younger son's story because his father's grace was always there in his family, in his home. But when the younger son distanced himself from the family and from his home, he, he got disconnected from the grace. When he returned home, then he got connected again with his father's grace. So he couldn't feel the father's grace because he was away from home. When he returned home and lived with the father, he could fully experience his father's love and grace. So if you feel any guilt or any deep remorse or any, any regrets about anything that hinders you to go home to God, it is not about your sins. It's about remaining in God's presence and help you to move forward and help you to fully experience God's love, grace, and presence. And last is the lessons from the father's perspective, is we have everything in God and we can ask for his grace. It's a simple truth, but again, we are human, we complicated simple stuff. If you don't believe me, just see how husband and wife communicate. That would be like a good daily examples. So it's simple truth, but it's quite complicated because it's impossible for us to understand how God thinks and how God sees things. But his simple truth remains that God loves us, that his grace is constant, never changing when we remain in him. John 15, seven to eight. If you remain in me and my word remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is a premise, ladies and gentlemen. If you remain in me and my word remain in you, then ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is for my Father's glory, not our glory, not other people's glory, for our Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Have we allowed ourselves to fully experience God's grace, to remain in Him, to ask, Lord, grant me your grace, because I need it, because I'm, a flawed and sinful human and I cannot do anything without you. Maybe 
we need that grace to let go of the past. Maybe we need that grace to help us to move forward after a disappointment. Maybe we need that grace to enable us to find peace or to be who God called us to be. The Father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. So let me close with this verse from Hebrew, which also my prayer from you and myself. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our times of need. So whatever the situation that you are in right now, the grace of God are always be there. You just need to ask for it. Ask God to come back home, to fully experience the grace, yeah. and to finally move on. May I pray for you? Thank you for your word today and we thank you that your grace is constant and that your love for us is constant and never changing we thank you lord that we can come to your throne of grace with confidence not because of our worth because we are nothing but because you made us worthy that we can come with confidence because you see us as worthy whatever things that holding us back right now lord we commit everything onto your throne right now and we believe that salvation is here that breakthrough is here that healing is here that love is here that restoration is here that your blessing is flowing right now in Jesus name thank you Lord for your blessing and thank you Lord for allowing us to call you father in Jesus name 